Welcome back, everybody. This is Faith FM. This is Encounter with God section where we get into our Bible study of the day. Our Bible study, of course, is all about loss this week. We talked about loss of trust for the last two days. I lost the... Oh, here it is. <laughs> but I lost the quiz. Sorry. You were out of the room during the song break, yeah, and I so I just had it right there just in case you didn't make it back in. Bless your heart, yeah, Lyle. Lost, here lost we go. of trust in Mon. <laughs> <laughs> Clue number four. I believed, I believed God and it was credited to me as righteousness. I believed God and it was credited to me as as righteousness. Okay, so who, who was that? that? Give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. 1-800-324-843 is the number if you know the answer to that particular uh, quiz question or text us on 0491-064-669. Okay, so we are getting into our Bible study today and uh, Sven, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Always glad to have you here as a part of the Bible study panel. Um, we are talking about loss of freedom. And so I'm wondering, how are some of the ways that we could lose our freedom? Religious freedom. That's a huge one. Okay, religious freedom and religious liberty is a massive one, particularly with the recent events in here in Australia right now, and was probably one of the bigger behind-the-scenes... Um, motivators in our recent election. Yeah, it's true. Uh, a number of people have really come out uh, pointing out the fact that Labor lost the religious vote over the issue of religious liberty. Because the timing was incredible. So Rugby Australia made their decision to fire... Um, Izzy Israel on, Flau, yeah. on Friday. I wonder then, whether I wonder whether I wonder whether we come up with a conspiracy theory and say Izzy won the election for the Liberal Party. <laughs> but, <laughs> Ooh, but the election was the next theory. day, wasn't it? Yes, and, the, and that was the Ooh, result. Maybe he it's was a pretty sacrifice. close. Yes. That's not a bad theory, Lyle. Oh, mind blown right here, right now. So, oh, so my, my, I, okay, I'm not, I'm was actually, he set up for this, or or was it God's hand? In, in in the timing. I, I've just really wondered about this. Liberty. Because, you know, Australia doesn't actually really have any religious liberty, do we? We have nothing, no laws in place, do we? No, not we really. had, um, We've we got had no Bill of Rights. Yeah. No. Yeah, no, that's right. No, nothing like we that. We need something. We have, we have a few uh, very weak exemptions that are created, um, you know, by a uh, legislative body that can change them just as easily as they put them there in the first place. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, Here in a Western country. <laughs> that's right, a Western country. And I think it, it, it actually says something very positive about our country in one way, in that we have never needed it because we have always practiced religion. No, we haven't always practiced religious liberty. You know, we imprisoned uh, Jehovah's Witnesses left, right and center during the Second World War, and that wasn't that long ago. And that was a terrible infringement on their religious liberty. Um and so, yeah, no, we haven't always practiced it, but uh, for the most part, we've, we've taken it for granted. Well, I guess that's the difference between our history and the history of the United States of America, because the United States of America was created as a, as a land of freedom. And in particular, you had the Puritans and the, 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 you know, the Catholics and the, the, the Protestants, and they, they wanted to figure this out early on. Whereas here in Australia, that, that wasn't the motivating driving force. No, the motivating driving force was let's get rid of all of our criminals to a uh, remote continent on the other side of the world. Indeed. <laughs> well, we still need freedom, even That's for right. the convicts. Absolutely. And of course, when the United States was, was formed, you know, they could, they could look across the Atlantic and they could see 
the direct results of union of church and state, the Inquisition was still in pro- process, in progress, when that constitution was being written. Did you know that in is um, sorry in Italy, uh, every Italian still has to pay a tax to the Catholic Church? That it's compulsory. Is that so? It is. And it really grates people that they have to pay money to the church, even if they don't attend church. Wow. Even if they even if they don't believe in God, they still have to pay a tax to the to the Catholic Church. Isn't that incredible? Did I mean, they, that's that's not freedom. Did the did the Anglican Church ever had that when they uh, proclaimed Henry VIII as their? Um, I'm kind sure of they were. They, you know, in England, they had a um, uh, a tax on windows, the size of your window, <laughs> and that, that's where we get the the term daylight robbery. Uh, because uh, the, the the government would tax you on on your window size, and so they they'd actually brick up these windows to to avoid daylight robbery. I always wondered why it was that colonial homes have such small windows. It's because of the tax. It's because the tax had created a culture of small windows. So they 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 gave up their freedom of having uh, sunlight because they wanted to keep their their money. Yep. So there you go. And, and in Scotland, of course, they had a tax on the footprint of the house. On the footprint of the house. Footprint of the house. And so there's this one house in Scotland that has a footprint of about eight feet by eight feet um, and is two stories high and I think like a family of 10 used to live in it. That's incredible. Because the, because the guy was so stingy, he was like, no, I'm not going to pay any tax. <laughs> go straight up. <laughs> Just go, go straight up and have this tiny, I have no tiny, windows as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's been some crazy things that have taken place down through the uh, centuries that have taken away our freedom. Religious liberty and religious freedom is mm. a big issue, a hot issue in Australia right now, one that we do need to face and I think that we are going to face, hopefully, um, during this government's uh, term in office. Uh, but uh, what about other ways that we can lose our freedom? Because, you know, w- religious liberty is one of those things that we need to fight for, whether it's our, our liberty or somebody else's liberty. But it's also personal choices that we can make. You know, you, we can actually decide to go down a path uh, personally where we get so enslaved, so um, entrapped, where we, we cannot get out of. And, and that's the things that we watch the, the food that we eat, the, the substances we take, where we might, we might be thinking, oh, this, this would be really fun, really cool. It's, it's, um, you know, I'll be part of the, part of my peer group. Um, and that, that can be whether you're a teenager or even older. And then you find yourself trapped. You cannot, cannot get out of it. And those are personal addictions. Those are, you know, things, um, things like, you know, substance abuse or, or pornography or, or, you know, um, getting sucked into, into the success and work kind of thing. And, and you can really get enslaved and trapped. Okay. Now this is a really big issue because when we look around our world today, we, and, and what I'm seeing here is two different kinds of ways that we can lose our freedom. Hmm. We can lose our freedom by somebody taking our freedom away from us. Okay, so you might rugby have, Australia. You might have. Sorry, it's like rugby Australia. Rugby Australia. That's, that's right. Takes away uh, is his freedom. Um, you know, he quotes a, a a Bible verse, and it's basically there in his contract that he's not allowed to do that kind of thing. Um, and so, you know, they step in, take away somebody's freedom. Um, it can be taken away through legislation. It can be taken away through, you know, military conquest, for example. Um, and, but that's coming from the outside. External. That's external. Somebody is externally taking away my freedom. Then you have some crossover points. Um, and so, you know, a, a crossover, uh, way that you might lose your freedom might be through criminal activity. 
Okay. Now, the reason I call this crossover is because I asked the question, have you taken your freedom away or has somebody else taken your freedom away by criminal activity when you go to jail for it? So, so give me an example. Are, are you saying that... Um uh, so you get involved in crime. Is that, that what you're saying? And then somebody else, uh, takes your freedom away because of that. Or what? Yeah, that's right. So let's say I steal a car. Okay. And I get caught. And I go to jail for it. Who took my freedom away? Well, you chose, you chose that pathway. But the coppers locked me up. Well, that, that's the point is that there's. And, and so that's why I'm saying this is a bit of a crossover between the two. Yes. You know, if, if a foreign force invades Australia, and throws me into a concentration camp uh, because I am Australian, then there is nothing that I have done other than be born that has caused me to lose my liberty. Whereas if I choose to do a criminal act, then that's my choice to do that. And then if somebody else takes away my liberty because of my choice, then they have played a role in it as well as I have played a role in it. Then we take another step where I involve myself in something that is addictive. That's 100% my choice. That's nobody else getting them getting involved in it at all. Mm. And so which, which one do you see as the worst? Do you, it sounds to me like you're saying that the, the worst one is where you actually choose to go down this pathway and you choose to give up your freedom and nobody else can be, can be blamed, be held responsible. Yeah, I would say that's by far the worst. And I uh, just want to toss this in there very quickly um, right now because we, we are going to come back and talk about this, the biggest part of, uh, of loss of freedom. But congratulations to Etienne. Etienne has won the uh, clue, for the, 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 the quiz this morning with the correct answer being Abraham. Congratulations, Abraham. Etienne. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so if we look around our world and we look at the numbers of people who are living without freedom, mm. and you've got those who did nothing, you know, military conquest or something similar to that. They've not actually done nothing that has caused them to lose their – had no, no decision whatsoever on their part that has caused them to lose their freedom. People that uh, have been falsely imprisoned, and I'm sure if I thought about it a bit longer, I could come up with some other examples of uh, – of people in that kind of a situation. They have lost their freedom. Let's say that the law changes in the country and religious liberty is suddenly gone. Mm. Um, you know, places like China or, the, or Russia or places like that where religious liberty is extremely restricted. Um, then we have people, you know, in that crossover phase where, yeah, they've done the wrong thing and now they've been locked up. And then you have people who have removed their own freedom. Which one would represent the biggest number? I would say I would say the third group. Yes. I would say the third group as well. Because we remove our own freedom when we involve ourselves in something that is known to be addictive. And when and you when you are addicted to something, are you free? No, you're not. You're enslaved. That substance, that product, whatever it might be, now controls you. And I've got a good example of that, you know, just going down the streets of, of Sydney or, or any big city around the world, you know, you'll see people just flocking to those, um, uh, the, the, the coffee, uh, places on their way to work. And, um, 
you know, the fact is this, is that there's, there's a certain level of addiction with that. It's, it's, oh, absolutely. Take the know, coffee machine out of an office for a day and just watch everybody's brains melt. And, and you know, uh, if you, you read about it, it, caffeine is the, the most widely used mind-altering drug in the world. It it's comes down to, to a, a level of giving up your freedom and, and becoming addicted to the substance. So, so you're absolutely right. The third group is the biggest group. Mm. And, and that's really when, interesting. When people say, I can't function without such and such a substance. You know, and, mm. and, and you, you know, if, if we took the, the, took the coffee machine out of the office, you would have a whole bunch of people who would lose their minds and say, well, I just can't function. But this is the really interesting thing, Lyle, is that, you know, in the Bible, it says that God has placed eternity in the heart of every person. I think there's a, a sort of a similar statement, which we could say, which God has placed freedom in the heart of every person. So that, that deep down, you know, if you're in a, you're a refugee, you're in a war-torn country, there's something deep down inside of you which says, I, I wish I could be free. But then why, why is this the reality that we also um, so often are willing to give up our freedom and become addicted? It's, it's really incredible if you think about it. When we've mm. got this opportunity to be free and we just give it up to you know, some kind of substance or you know, uh, what we view or, or whatever, we, we just get yeah, caught I mean, in this track. No, We've used coffee here this morning because it is the, the, basically the universal one around the globe, I think, isn't it? Is it there is. anything, anything more universal than coffee as far as addictions go? Uh, but you maybe know, Facebook is coming Maybe close. Facebook. This is true. Um, and they have now actually uh, created a, uh, a new mental illness um, which is actually, you know, I forget what the exact name for it is, but it's a new mental illness, which is addiction to uh, to video games. Yes, and it's yes. actually it's actually a thing now. It's actually a mental illness, and it, it's a big thing for particularly for guys. There's there's something about the the male mind and video games, which which we just get really sucked into. Mm. Um, you know, I guess it's perhaps that visual. We you know men and uh, males are really visual, and so we just really get into that. Also, that that need for adventure, action, and, and uh, if we live in a very safe, you know, the nanny state kind of thing, we just we just have this desire to get out there and, and, and really get into some kind of action. And so we really sucked into those video games as well. Yes, and I think that, uh, yeah, as you, as you say, a lot, of the, uh, a lot of the nanny state stuff does really create this kind of environment because we get locked out of anything that as a male uh, is going to produce any kind of adrenaline. And if I, you know, look at back to, at my young... If I look at myself right now, I enjoy getting out the bush and doing things that, that, that give me a spurt of adrenaline. You live a dangerous life, Lyle. I like living a dangerous life. And, you know, I like going four-wheel driving, for instance. Well, see, and the reason that I like doing that is because there's a level of risk. If there was no level of risk, it would. Why would you do it? Well, you, you have to be so safe. You have to. You can't offend people. You know. You have to be politically correct. We live in a very. Whereas cons- in a video game, you can beat up harmless women these days. Or you can even worse. Uh, yeah, it's, rape them, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and that that's why it gets really addictive because mm. you live in this safe world, but you want to have that adrenaline rush. Okay, let's look at what the Bible has to say. Let's go to Luke chapter sixteen and verse thirteen. Luke 16 and verse 13. And let's see what it has to say over here. Uh, What have you got for us there, Sven? Okay, Luke chapter 16 and verse 13. It says, No servant 
can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Okay, so what does this tell us about some things that can lead people into addiction? Uh, Definitely money. Let's think about this for a moment. The richest man in the world is... Jeff Bezos. Bezos, that's his name. Amazon. Amazon, Amazon, that guy. Yes. He is the richest man in the world. I don't know how many billions of dollars I can tell you, $160 billion. Okay, Sven is just... (laughs) He is on the money. How much did you say? I'm on the money. I'm really on the money. How much did you say? $160 billion. $160 billion. Okay, listener, I want you to wrap your head around $160 billion. Now, now, he did lose money earlier this year because he divorced his wife, Mackenzie, if I remember rightly. Okay. And uh, so she got a big chunk of his money. She became the richest woman in the world because she got a huge... um, uh, bunch of his money, uh, but he still remains the top. But but in terms of family, uh, it's 160 billion. I, as I said, just like you said, I it's, I find it hard to wrap my mind around 160 billion dollars. Okay, and he gives. I think I read somewhere 1.2 percent to charity. That would be a lot. That would be a lot of money, but on a percentage basis. I would say that you and I give a lot more than that. And your average bogan, when you go door knocking for a charity, how many times have you had them come out and hand you a big fat note? It's you know? amazing. And, and, and you find the poorest people who have the least money are the ones who are the most generous. And, the, you know, if you, I used to live on a street where, um, you know, <clears throat> our my, my, my neighbors were you just, they were all just a whole bunch of your average friendly neighborhood bogans with no money and you know they do dodgy things on occasions and you know one day they came over into into my paddock and lit my bonfire and sat around <laughs> and drank beer you know and this is the kind of thing you know, it's just your, your average neighborhood bogan but, but it's generous generous to a fault they would help you with it they would drop what they were doing they would help you in a heartbeat you ask them for a you know if you knock on their door for charity they're going to give you money the other thing is it's not only here in Australia it's also overseas as well so if you go to a <clears throat> developing country you know uh, let me take France for example and and you go to a place I mean the, the, the you get a plate and there's this tiny little piece of food in the middle uh, with this dressing uh, sort of swirled around kind of thing um, whereas you go to some developing countries like you go to a village in China or a, a town in in one of the Pacific islands and and they when they bring out lunch it is just bountiful is they just you know they, oh, they, yeah, might they, do, be, they do not hold back. They do not hold back. They Their generosity back. is amazing. And, 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 and they will fill you until you can't, can't even stand up. Uh, when I was in Ethiopia, I had this, you know, you know, and Ethiopians are legendary for being a very, very undeveloped country. But if they took you out for food somewhere, you would not be able to walk by the time you finished, you know, what they wanted to, uh, what they wanted to feed you with. There would just be mountains of it. But the interesting thing is this, is that while I thought, that, or, or you sort of think that money would bring you freedom. So the more money that you'd have, the more free you'd be and the more generous you'd be as well. So, so how is it that money takes away our freedom? Yeah, no, good question. Good question. How does, money, how does money turn us into a slave? Because we want more of it. That's right. 
We we see it as that. It's, always, it's, it's like how much how much is enough? You know, you look at Bezos and it's like, well, why are you still making money? You know, and you, why are you why are you you know putting one point two percent of your income into uh, into charitable work when you could be doing so much more? What is actually driving you? What is motivating you? I used to have a, uh, a, a, a an employee one time who was married to a very very incredibly wealthy man, and it was like and the, and and he lived a horrible life, but he had the resources to live a really good life, and it was always like, why do you live this horrible life? when you could be living such a good life. You know, it, it mm. really, really makes me struggle and I really don't know how to understand it all. Anyway, we're going to uh, move on. This is Kemi Ogendi with Here to Stay. You're listening to Faith FM. Kemi Ogendi with Here to Stay. 
on Faith FM, and uh, we were talking about loss, loss of freedom, and how money can give loss of freedom. We were talking about Bezos, the head of Amazon, the world's richest man uh, right now, who gives about 1.2% of his income, which would be a couple of billion dollars, uh, to charity each year. But I wanted to just briefly compare Bezos, because I believe that he is enslaved to his money, um, with an industrialist by the name of Argy Latorno, um, who was probably Bezos's equivalent back in the 1950s and 60s, and uh, really the complete opposite of Bezos in many, many ways. Yes, he was into um, earth-moving machinery. So, on on a massive scale, like caterpillars and Volvos yeah. and all those those kind of machines. So he can be credited with, and there's probably a little bit of debate over who actually takes the credit for all of the uh, inventions that came out. But he's definitely the inventor of the scraper, um, possibly the inventor, probably the inventor of the bulldozer. Um, was you know eventually um, you know sold up to to Caterpillar in the end, but um, just created massive machines all over the world. He built oil rigs, um, he built military equipment. Um, I think it was like uh, the vast majority of all ma- military machinery used by the American forces during the Second World War was built by Latorno. He had steel factories. He had, you know, it, the list just goes on and on and on. This guy was an industrialist on a massive, massive level. I've got a number for you. 70% of the earth-moving equipment during World War Two by the Allies. 70%. Yeah, 70%. Oh, by the Allies, not just by the United States. By the Allies. Allied the forces, Allies. yes. Yeah, yeah. So okay. right right across the uh, World War Two, uh, See, yeah. 70%. So you can imagine how unbelievably wealthy this man was. And so he'd be in a very similar position to Bezos. And Bezos has has stated on numerous occasions that he has so much wealth, he he does not know how to spend it. He just has no avenue to spend the wealth that he has. So how much money did he give? Did he give, let's go for double, 2.5%? Okay, so Bezos was was what, 1.2, you said? 1.2, so but 2.5, no. Go for 5, 5%. Latorno did better than that. Uh, try 7.5 10% Am I getting you, close? You, you imagine 10% of um, what, what did we say that Bezos was worth? 160 billion yeah, So if he returned a tithe Let's say Bezos returned a tithe That would be a lot of money 16 billion dollars Yeah That would be significant You could do some amazing things in our world With, with that kind of money Faith FM would go real far with 16 billion dollars It would indeed Latorno was spending 90% of his disposable income on philanthropy. Spending or giving? Giving. Giving. Giving giving, giving 90%. 90%. And he would go into developing countries, countries that had never seen machinery before, uh, places like Liberia and Peru and different places like this, and he would just set up because he had, you know, the knowledge and the and the engineering and the and, and the equipment to do so. You know, just the uh, most amazing aid organisations that you can even begin to imagine. So and he would and he would just make a massive difference in people's lives. So he set 90%, up ninety percent, ninety percent, ninety percent. So he set up the Latorno University. Yes, uh, which is incredible. Which is where he's buried, yep. and uh, he also he was part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance Church. Now, I would have to check my check my data, but I believe that's the same organisation that Ravi Zacharias is part of, the famous uh, apologist. So, I think you might be right. Yes, 
I so, think you might be right. So he, put it this way, Latorno actually helped set up some pretty major uh, people. Now, whether his money directly went to Ravi Zacharias or, or not, but certainly in terms but of the, yeah, the uh, difference that he made in the world. An individual, yeah, he, he supported an organization that uh, uh, produced an individual who has made an incredible impact on our world. Indeed, indeed. And yeah. so you got 90% compared to 1.2%. Yeah, it's almost like, okay, world's stingiest man versus... Uh, you know, world's most generous man. Latorno had a Latorno came came. You know, it's interesting to, if you actually read his story, and I have read his story twice. I read it again uh, about a year ago, and I read it for the first time when I was a teenager. But um, he had he always believed in giving. He went broke a number of times, as big business people often do um, in the early times. And of course, when he was going broke, he would stop giving. But then he realized that only as he gave. Uh, would he actually make money? And so he actually increased his giving while he was going broke and managed to scrape through. The Lord got him through and uh, went on to do bigger and amazing things. And so then he decided, okay, I'm going to give you know, in accordance to the way that God blesses me. So you know, if God is blessing me, I'm going to give more. And the more God blesses, the more I'll give. And so he just started increasing and increasing and increasing the amount that he was giving to the point that he was giving 90% and came to the conclusion, and his motto was, it is impossible to out-give God. So my question uh, this morning, Lyle, is So this was a man who had freedom. He did. But how did he get to that point? Because my question for you would be, would you give 90% of what you had uh, to God? I would really struggle with that because if you said 90%, I'd be like, okay, but I have to eat. You have to pay the bills? I have to pay the bills. You have to to support your your sons in, in in their pursuits in life. All of that. So how how did he get to that point where he's willing to give ninety percent? Well, I guess that uh, you know, being an incredibly wealthy person, um, he he certainly you know he could, he could he could put food on his table and support his family um, off the ten percent quite easily, and, but, and very comfortably, a lot more comfortably than uh, the average person. But you know he did he did practice even when he wasn't giving ninety percent he did practice sacrificial giving so he would willing. give sacrifice sacrificially no, and so no. there's a difference there between you know when he was giving ninety percent you know that wasn't a period in his life when it was necessarily sacrificial because it wasn't you know hurting him to do so uh, but definitely when he was in the process of going broke it was. So I guess what you're saying, Lyle, is that every single one of us can explore what it's like to be dependent on God and to put our faith in Him and to give sacrificially. Absolutely, to give sacrificially, regardless of whether there is a financial return or not, because we need to be very, very careful of, you know, we we use an example like Latorno and people, okay, prosperity gospel. The more you give, the more you get. No, 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 no. The more you give, the more you get in God's blessing. And for Latorno, because he was a man who could handle financial wealth, God gave him financial wealth. If God blessed me with that kind of financial wealth, it probably wouldn't be a good idea. Well, I can think of another person who has um, gave a lot, uh, but he was a pretty poor person, and that, that is Jesus himself. He, he never had any riches. That's right. He gave it all. He gave everything mm. that he had. You can't give more than your life. Mm. And the only thing that he had was a, the equivalent of a bedsheet. <laughs> 
Mm. And so I look at Jesus and I go, he, <clears throat> he's the example where prosperity gospel does not work. <laughs> he's the exact opposite. Exactly. You cannot get more opposite of prosperity gospel than Jesus Christ and the disciples. So uh, what about if someone says, look, you know, but Jesus got heaven, he got the streets of gold, uh, you know, he, he's got it all. So, so that proves the gospel, prosperity gospel. Yeah, well, hey, you know, the Bible says we are heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So uh, the We'll get it is, as well. We're in line for that as well. So why worry about it down here on this earth? The Bible says, you know, uh, put your treasure inherent in heaven where thieves will not steal it. And that's the thing is that faith brings freedom. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and this is the key to, the, to today's whole Bible study is, uh, is really as we come to the end of the study is that when we place our faith in God, when our relationship and our connection is with God, that's where we will find freedom. Our world is full of things that want to take away our freedom. And to, you know, Satan's, Satan's effort is to destroy our freedom at some point, uh, destroy the freedom of every person at some point. And through faith in Jesus Christ, we can really thoroughly enjoy that freedom. This is Chelsea Moon with Take My Life. You're listening to Faith FM.
Happy Hearts is a free community craft program for kids aged 1 to 5, designed to encourage growth and creativity through Bible stories. Join us each Tuesday during the school term from 9.30 till 11am at the Senior Citizens Hall, 401 Warburton Highway, Wandon North. For more information or to register, go to happyhandsart.com.au forward slash happyhearts or contact Patricia on 0425 854 516. That's 0425 854 516. Happy Hearts. Free fun for kids and the mess stays with us. (laughs) What comes to mind when you think of studying nursing? Practical experience, a rewarding career, great employment prospects. When you think of nursing, think of Avondale College of Higher Education. 92.7% of our nursing graduates were employed within four months of completing their degree, with credible experience and with friends for life. To apply now, visit avondale.edu.au. It's higher education, designed for life. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
Sarah Groves with Abide With Me. You're listening to Faith FM. We have come to question of the day time. We have uh, Dr. Sven Erstring here in the studio. And so we thought this question would be very appropriate for uh, Dr. Erstring. Yeah, why not? If he's here, let's put him to good use. Put him Absolutely. Work. He's got that doctoral thing going on. Let's make him let it shine it bright. His little light that he's got there. Okay, so our, our question of the day, it kind of feels weird for me to be asking the question Why of the day. Why do you get to ask it? I'm the asker around here, Lyle. No, I'm going to ask it. Okay, fine. I'll, get, I'll let one, you have it once. I'm the one who has it written on my piece of paper. I have it written in my brain. Did God use evolution to create life? Perfect question for Dr. Sven Erstring. Well, it's a very, very good question, and I guess it, it dives down to into some of the really deep questions that we have in life. Number one, where did we come from? And, and also, does God exist? So, so when you go to science itself, uh, you find this incredible story of, of how, you know, long time ago, billions of years ago, there was this, uh, primordial soup and all of these molecules and atoms were just bumping into each other. And, and finally, they linked up into amino acids, proteins. And, um, and then you, you went on to, to, to create life, the cells and all of that kind of thing. So that's what science, the story that science tells us. And, and you, you went from those trilobites to, uh, to, to the, uh, dinosaurs and to the, to the apes. And, and finally, finally, you've got humans as well. So that's the evolutionary story. And, and so, so many people would say, well, science has done so much for us. It's given us, uh, you know, MacBook computers. It's given us, uh, smartphones. Uh, so we should really trust it. Then on the other side, you know, there's some really good arguments for, for God, that God exists. And, and so why don't we try and uh, bring these two together? And let me tell you that there's some some really uh, significant people who've done that. They've tried to bring it together. So they've come up with this idea of theistic evolution, which is that God used evolution uh, to, to create life. Uh, so that we're here today using that evolutionary process. Now, there, there's some big problems with this idea of theistic evolution. First of all, is that science itself is making a big assumption. And the big assumption that it's making is this, that it believes, science believes that it can find the true explanations to life simply by thinking that everything happens naturally so that there are no miracles. There's no times where God intervenes. He doesn't step in to do something special and powerful and, and miraculous. Now, if we turn to the Bible, what we find is 
that it is really clear that God does step in to do things. So, so for example, you know, you start reading the story of Jesus, the, the account of Jesus, and he's just all the time, he's healing sick people, he's turning water into wine, he's um, raising the dead. He himself uh, was raised to, to back to life on, on that Sunday morning. So it's really clear from the Bible that God does intervene. He's not limited to the natural laws we find. So science itself is making an assumption that is not biblically correct. It's not biblically correct. The other big thing is this is that no one was there when the uh, when life started no one was there scientists weren't you and I weren't there either so to know what happened we need an eyewitness account we need somebody who is actually there to to share with us and tell us uh, what happened and we have that in the Bible. We have that in the Bible. And when you go to the Bible, when you go to the, those first two chapters of Genesis, you found this amazing uh, account of what actually happened. God reveals to us how he did it. And, and when you read it, you have all of this evidence that God, day by day, over a six-day period, uh, performed a number of amazing miracles. It's very clear that, that it was days. It's evening and morning. And there was the first day, the evening and morning, the second day. Really, really clear. And, and it's just God speaking and things happened. These are miracles. So it, it, it's, it's very clear that evolution, that the assumption that science is making is not true in that situation. But not only that, when you go to the book of Exodus, which is when, when God led his people out of, of Israel, uh, Egypt and created this new nation, he led them up to this mountain, uh, Mount Sinai, and he spoke to them and he shared with them that he was going to uh, give them the laws. And right in the middle of the Ten Commandments, that amazing set of commandments, he says, for God himself speaking in the, in the front of, in the hearing of all of this one million people plus, he said to, he said to them, for, for the Lord God made the heavens and the earth and uh, season everything in it in six days. So it's an amazing question. So if we want the truth, the truth is this, is that God did not use evolution to create life. And to, to follow up on this, uh, we've got an amazing event coming up, Ooh, the yes. Faith and Science Conference, and I'd love to invite you to that as well. Tell us about the Faith and Science Conference. Well, we've got a Faith and Science Conference. The, the technical thing is the SPD Faith and Science Conference. It is uh, from the 16th to the 19th of July, 2019. It's going to be down at Avondale College in Kuru. Uh, not too far away from Newcastle, not too far away from Sydney as well. And uh, we have an international lineup of speakers. And the good news is this, we're going to have scientists, we're going to have theologians, but... Uh, Tomorrow is the last day for the early bird registration. So if you want to get in there cheap and, and get a good deal, tomorrow is the day to go and register. Give us a call if you want more details on how to register. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. 1-800-324-843. Thanks, Dr. Sven. As I walk in the open plains and Distance mountains tower in the air. 
faith one must enter through those doors Naked I cannot see We simply must believe It takes faith to explore the with Beyond Where Eagles Dare. And I have to tell you, I am super, super excited about this creation conference that is coming up. I went to the uh, creation science one last year up on the uh, Sunshine Coast. It was just amazing. And this is the Faith and Science Conference. Um, And I'm just looking through the list of speakers, Professor Leonard Brandt, Professor Jakes Dukan, Professor Arthur Chadwick, 
Dr. Timothy Standish, Dr. Jim Gibson, Associate Professor Ross Grant, Professor Warren Grubb, Pastor Hensley Gungudu, Dr. Wendy Jackson, okay, Dr. Okay, that's Sven Osring, Dr. Nobody John knows Hunt. those names. <laughs> what we really want to no, know... No, no, we all no, no, know... No, no, sh- these are good names. What we all want to know is... It's amazing. What we all know is, what is the website where we can just go and register? Because this sounds amazing. Education.adventistchurch.com, faith dash science dash conference we'll post it up on our social media for you okay wonderful thank you so much for joining us today Stuart, and telling us all about that we'll be sharing more about that tomorrow we will yeah we'll be, we'll be plugging it because it's a great conference in the meantime it is time for us to give something away as we have our last 30 seconds of the show give us a call first person through on 1-800-FAITH-FM we'll get a copy of God's Holy Word Is It Still Worth Dying For an excellent question an excellent book by E.G. White We've been talking about religious freedom. You know, we've been talking about evolution and everything comes back to God's holy word. Everything comes back to this. Is it worth hinging your entire life on this book? Is it worth believing in this? Is it worth believing this is where you came from? Is it worth dying for? God's holy word, is it still worth dying for? An incredible book by E.G. White. First person three will get a copy completely free. 1-800-324-843. In the meantime, thank you so much for joining us on The Breakfast Show. If you would like to learn more about the Bible and learn how to study it, give us a call here, 1-800-FAITH-FM. You have a blessed day. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourself, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah. You shall not need to fight in this battle.